The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Dynamic Healing, with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And today's topic is on... What are you really putting into your nervous system? That is, can we hijack the nervous system? So today's purpose is to talk to you about, you know, our thinking and our action, our choices, that is, really do impact the nervous system. And can we do something about it? So our quote for today is, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. That's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. So he wasn't, he was a poet, not a neuroscientist, but this is brilliant because your brain's going to develop wherever you place its attention. So what we've noted in in chronic pain for a long time is that healing occurs actually from moving into circuits in your brain that are pleasant. So by fixing your problems, which we all get focused on, you're actually emphasizing the problem because your attention is on the problems, not the solutions. Mm -hmm. So we're discussing ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And there's three parts of ACT, which were what, Les? Remind me. Catch those thoughts, those things that are swirling around. Check your one's resistance and how much you're accepting. And choose because you have a way of moving towards what matters to us because that's what, what is really healing. So the episode, our last episode was on choice. Um, and so what we're talking about today, there's two aspects of choice to consider. So whatever choices you make that come into your nervous system or stay in your nervous system, get reflected in the brain, but really get reflected in your body's physiological state. So if you're in fight or flight, you're gonna feel anxious and agitated and upset. And if you're on the beach drinking a beer, you feel relaxed. Those are two different neurochemical states. So we've talked about the model in fact, our model is based on what's called dynamic healing, where you have your stresses or circumstances, or what we call the input. You have the state of your nervous system, which could be calm or hyperactive. If it's hyperactive, it takes less stress to set out this fight or flight response. So when your stresses come in, your brain processes it, says safe or threat. And when you're in threat, 
it's cortisol, adrenaline, inflammation, increased fuel consumption, and you feel agitated and anxious. So what we're talking about today is the choice of what you decide to load into your nervous system, because it does reflect in your physiology. Again, is mental input, but your state of being is dependent on your physiology. So Dr. Ara, you have somewhat of a famous quote about physiology and psychology. Yeah, well, truth be told, I actually um, ripped it off uh, Porges. So oh, you did. <laughs> and I've, and I've, I've, I've said it so many times that people think I, I've said it, but the, the, the true credit goes to Dr. Stephen Porges, the creator of the polyvagal theory. So, so, so do you feel better now that you've confessed this? Um, I do. Thank you for the morning. Um, I, I didn't realize I was going to mass at this point. <laughs> so so I'm, the, I'm the guru today. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, David. I feel good about this. <laughs> so what David's talking about is there's this um, silly statement. I say that your physiological states truly determines your psychological states, which means that when your nervous system is sensing like a smoke detector or house alarm senses danger, or even a dog, if you think of your nervous system as the dog, when it senses danger, it barks, right? Or the alarm goes off. And because it senses things and this sensation, this, this sensing um, ability is called neuroception. It's like your brain is sensing through your senses, right? What you see, what you hear, what you smell. And this is all outside your consciousness, which means that the nervous system is operating outside your awareness. And very often how you know that something you know, threatening or dangerous has shown up is our heart changes, our physiology starts to change. And when our physiology changes our heart, our gut may become really you know, churning. We might have muscle tension. You might notice you might get some you know, confusing um, thoughts. And that is the output to the psychology. And we, based on that physiology, we may notice we're anxious, irritable, and so on and so forth. So, but at the flip side, besides your physiological states determining your psychological states, the verse is also, the converse is also true. Meaning that if you're sitting here and thinking about the bad things, uh, as David and I uh, talk about this, and David really emphasizes this, is about if you talk about your pain, talk about your life problems and you're complaining, what happens is this is that psychological states of complaining, getting drunk in your thoughts and emotions, uh, wallowing in it, that actually can facilitate the activation of the threat system as if there's a tiger chasing you. David? Well, let me differentiate something that DR, my, our friend, talked about myself is that, okay, thoughts are sensory input that actually create uh, unpleasant thoughts, create a fight or flight response. Repressed thoughts are even more powerful. So um, your, your peace of mind, this came from actually the book Sapiens, is that your peace of mind actually comes from your neurochemical state. So if you're, if you're going to load in violent images, you're going to gossip, complain, et cetera, you're inputting stuff into your nervous system that's going to result in fight or flight. But when you're in fight or flight, it increases sensitivity to the nervous system, and you actually feel the pain more. So I'm going to make a list less. It's a long list of just think about this. And it's changed my life because what happened, we did these workshops back in New York called the Omega Institute. Mm -hmm. They were three-day and five-day workshops. And what we discovered there the first year on is that people talked about their pain all the time. 
Mm, they discuss right. the pain, they complain, they were mm-hmm. miserable, they want to let people know. They also spend an endless amount of time going to doctor after doctor after doctor, right. reading self-help books, pursuing the solution for chronic pain, where your attention is on the pain. And it really dawned on us very quickly that the cardinal rule we have now with all of our groups, but all of my patients is when you walk out of the door of my office or you're in a workshop, you cannot discuss your pain with anybody ever, right. no exceptions. And so of course you have to tell your provider how you're doing or whatever it's a physical therapist or a physician or somebody like yourself, but that's it. If you wanna dwell on your pain, that's exactly what your brain's gonna develop. And again, go back to Ralph Waldo Emerson's words, is that your brains can develop wherever you place its attention. Right. So unless you're my patient, yep. and I'm gonna categorize you as one of my, one of my more difficult patients. <laughs> actually, no, maybe you're better than that. You actually listen. <laughs> no, let's, uh, let, me, let me play an opposite role. Let me be a naughty kitty. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So I talked to you, I know you have, your neck hurts. It's been that way for years. And I look at your scans and there's nothing structurally wrong. You go, well, then we talk a little bit about pain, which I don't really get into the conversation on the first visit. But you just say, look, the solution to chronic pains in neuroplasticity, you're going to stimulate your brain to shift to circuits that are not painful. So when you walk around the office, you will never discuss your medical care with anybody ever again, except your doctors and, and providers. And that is especially your family. Because what we found out, people probably spend 70% of their conscious waking hours either pursuing a solution for pain or discussing their pain. And, they, and I, don't, I get it. I would, when I was in pain, I did the same thing. I was mm-hmm. on this endless search to get out of this misery. Nobody could help me. I got more and more desperate. So I get it. I understand why you do that. But that's actually the opposite of healing. So no discussing your pain or complaining. No discussing your medical care. Um, I often... If you've seen enough doctors, stop going to doctors. But also since mental pain is as much of a problem as physical pain, also no complaining, quit complaining, no malicious gossip, no criticism. Don't do not give unasked for advice. And believe it or not, it's pretty hard to do, but it's one of the most powerful things we've ever done. So patient can relax. More importantly, the family can relax. So instead of the family being at the mercy of somebody complaining all the time, peace and joy start coming back into the household and things change dramatically. So to summarize what I just said, with the dynamic healing model, you have the input nervous system and the output. And what you put in comes in two categories. What are you choosing to load into your brain? What we'll talk about in the next podcast is what are you holding on to? So choice is a big deal because choice determines the flat out structure of your brain. Right. It's not, it's so it's psychological, but it's not right. Right. Exactly. And, and often it's, it's, it's the combination of both. And that's why we, we, we talk about the mind body or the brain body. And so with that said, I like, I really like just to, to give you a heads up. Um, I was, I was trying to be a patient and a, many of my typical patients really, find it aghasting or just overwhelming or um, confused when I say don't talk about your pain. Uh, in my groups that I run, uh, there is no talk about pain. And when and when it does come up, you know, the group tends to ask, what is it that you're not dealing with? Um, just on a side note, David, I, I really like what you said, because what you're saying is, it's almost like if you put in um, healthy things inside of us, the nervous system becomes healthy. 
you're also telling the audience and re-emphasizing that when you complain, you shall remain in misery. I'm sorry, can you say that again, please? I think that list is um, sort of new by me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard of subtle lessons, but this one's pretty subtle. Can you try that one again, please? Yeah, so, um, you know, um, complaining will keep you remaining in suffering in an unhealthy in an, in, in an unhealthy nervous system. So the more we complain, and on a side note here, believe it or not, David and, and the audience is that they've done studies, brain scan studies, and they found that, that people who complain tend to have, this is uh, kind of intriguing, tend to have larger amygdalas. And the amygdala is basically, uh, has been deemed, it's not the only center in the brain that sort of processes fear response of threat. Uh, it senses, and so it's the seat of our emotions is what it's been dubbed, but it's more than that. But it's one of the network systems or brain part that actually makes our reaction stronger. So it pulls information from the past and dumps it in our body and our brain and we tend to be reactive. So what you said is when you're complaining, you shall remain in that suffering and unhealthy nervous system. And it's hard to get out of pain or even have a good life because what are you putting into it? Remember, one of the main aspects of healing, if not the main aspect, is a patient taking control of their own care. So you can stop doing that right now. And people do. But it was fascinating how hard it is to give it up. And it's not logical. I mean, if, I mean think about going to a party of people in their teens and 20s, lots of excitement, riskful possibilities. And you go to a party where people are over 50 and people are complaining, right? Yes. There is a huge difference in the attitude. So if your life is out of complaining, poor me, this, this, and this, it's not a very enjoyable life. So I'm not into positive thinking, but a positive vision is really critical. But one step below a positive vision is quit loading in the negative vision. Just stop. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, this, this is why I like acceptance and commitment therapy act. It's because it's not about pushing or pulling good things in, pushing bad things and pulling good things in. Um, your mind, your brain, your nervous system, we do this tug of war. When something difficult shows up, you really do have a choice. You know, and that's what we're trying to really emphasize here is where do you have a role in hijacking your nervous system for the better or for the good? What are you putting into it? Can we hijack your nervous system? The answer is yes, but it goes back to some of the basic uh, to Nats that David spoke about, what are you really putting into it? And he made off a, a nice list there, David, of things and talk, not talking about your pain. What can you do to help yourself? And when, when I've said that, David, and uh, I always think of you when I say you know, no discussing pain, they have this blank look of what, and then what do I talk about? And we've talked about this before and, and you saw in your blogs and book, you're more than your pain. You are a human being. What is important to you? Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It was fascinating because at these workshops, we would um, find people actually sneaking out behind the buildings to talk about their paint. It's like kids going, it's like kids in grade school going out behind the schoolyard and smoking. Like, like cigarettes. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because it's sort of addicting. I call it pseudo intimacy, right? All right? I'm suffering here. You're suffering here. So I think the word that some of your compatriots use is woundology. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah, the, yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah. That's, that's one of the words. Yeah. All right. So one of the problems, for instance, one of the worst prognostic factors for fibromyalgia is belonging to, belonging to a fibromyalgia support group. Because they're talking about their pain all the time. They're, you know, the doctors aren't doing this. The doctors aren't doing this. The pain's doing this. I'm feeling like this. And so the problem is, is they commiserate and I get it. And you feel like you're being supported and you are, but your brain's being supported going absolutely the wrong direction. So it's pretty clear, pretty clear data that if you're in a fibromyalgia support group that complains, it's a huge problem. Conversely, and you and I have talked about this a lot, that the best treatment for chronic pain is in a group setting. But you're talking about the tools and the strategies and providing support, giving insights about how the tools can work better. So there's a lot of tools to help you move forward, but complaining isn't one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and David, I, I think I wanted to um, really emphasize a couple of steps from where you left off about what you're putting into the nervous system, the input, the nervous system than the output. Um, I'd like to I'd like to kind of um, give some examples. For example, um, when someone experiences a lot of pain and someone is complaining about it, so it's it's okay to. I want I want us all to understand this. It's okay to complain. The question here is this: Are you getting drunk in it? Because we all complain about this or that, but the but we want to make sure you're not getting drunk in that, and that is the staple of your life. And we're saying is that that's if that's a habit, that's a problem. And David and I put on a, a pain summit this past weekend, and David, I emphasized something called trigger behavior reward (TBR). Trigger so, behavior rewards. Yeah. So whenever we get triggered, how the behavior, how we relate to what shows up, will reinforce the brain and the body, the nervous system. So trigger behavior reward. So okay. if I get, so if I'm complaining, if I, if I see something, I feel pain, I see something on the news with the conflict with Ukraine or whatever it is, and I get myself really, really worked up. So now I'm frustrated. When I'm frustrated, how we relate to what shows up from the nervous system, this is the first part, 
Your physiological states determine your psychological states. When you're physiologically in threat response, out of your awareness, it shows up. You have no control. But what David and I are trying to show you is at that point, what do you want to do about it? What are you going to put into your nervous system? So your choices and behaviors will reward either sort of a fear response or it will move you towards a greater sense of your life, a better life. So, so can we talk about the news for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is a big one. It's a huge. Actually, I'm very specific about this in my clinics. And, you know, a lot of us, especially in these world events, these days, it's not just, you know, the Ukraine. I mean, there's so many things going on in this world that are really disturbing. It's unbelievable. So I say, look, quit watching the news. Stop. So give yourself maybe 15 minutes a day, a half an hour at the most to maybe listen to one half hour news program or read the paper for 15 to 30 minutes to know what's going on. Yeah. And that's it. Because what happens, again, if you're in chronic pain, um, you get addicted to that sort of chemical bath, which is threat physiology. Right. Watching the news is upsetting. So the humans have a problem. In other words, we're not physically threatened by the war in Ukraine, but with our consciousness, our brain reads it as a threat. And of course, right now with all this, with the nuclear situation, it really is a threat. So of course, it's going to fire you up. Well, there's stuff to be upset about every day. I can give you a list of at least 30 things in life that really upset me. The racism, authoritarianism, the whole, I mean, our world is a tough place to live. We're not treating people very badly. People are being massacred in India and then, you know, Indonesia area because they just have the wrong religion or racism in our country with the Asians and the blacks. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So the Ukraine, for instance, is another one of those things. It's no better, no worse. It's a big problem, but there's right. lots of big problems in this country that have been around for a long time and around the world. So the human existence is challenging, but if you want to watch the news all day long, which a lot of people do, how are you going to actually heal? Because your responsibility as a human being, Dr. Aria, I'm going to call you out. Your <laughs> duty, should you choose to accept it, is to live the best life you can to help people around you. If you stay agitated about things that you can't control, you drain the energy and you have, you're less apt to actually do something that's helpful. Yeah. So, so anyway, and we're watching the news on a, all day long, really fires up your nervous system. It's a physiological state. Yeah, it does. In fact, um, not too long ago, um, a couple of my patients were complaining about what was going on and in Ukraine. And I said, well, you know, what can you do about, what can you do? You can do loving kindness meditations, sending well wishes to people, hoping they're safe. You can do that prayers. You could do that. If you need to send money, you can find different things to donate. However, I like what you said, because when we're constantly um, bombarding our nervous system, again, your brain and body, when you're bombarding it with all this uh, negative news, or you're complaining about it, and you're constantly talking about it, what that does is it gears it up. It's called neuroplasticity. What right. David is talking about, his framework of the dynamic healing of input, nervous system, and output. Input, what are you putting in? Nervous system, we are programming it, and the output is there. The body tension, the reactions, the psychological stuff shows up there. And what we are saying is that it's not bad to watch TV or do something, but how much time is that part of your life? Do you, are you aware of what is swirling around in your mind, right? In your brain. Right. So what we want to do is this is 
is minimize that threat. Because if you're trying to heal, and this is the dynamic healing podcast, and we're trying to show you the interaction between input and output is your nervous system. That's neuroplasticity, which means your brain can change. And if your brain is constantly geared towards, think of your brain as a, as a muscle or your nervous system as a muscle, what are you training? What are you investing in? And that's what we really want you to pay attention to. Because the flip side of that is if you live your best life, as David says, what can you do to empower yourself? What can you do to, to bring more peace? David, my grandmother used to say this, and I used to roll my eyes when I was a kid, but now I'm so grateful to what she said. If you sow peace, you reap peace. That reminds me of something, though. I just have to use this metaphor. I'll never forget this. So <clears throat> my father was a physician. He was raised on a farm, very competent physician. And we lived in Newport, New Hampshire, which is a very small town in New England. And my father probably worked 100 hours a week. So we had an upper lot that he planted a garden, pretty huge garden, way bigger than what he could take care of. So he decided to um, be efficient. He would plant a grass called, I think it was millet. So the millet would grow instead of the wheat. So what happened, the millet grew to like four feet high and the garden was buried. You couldn't see wow. it. We, we had the best time as kids creating tunnel through this millet patch. But the, the message being is that you're gonna grow, you're gonna grow exactly what you sow. Yep. So if you're sowing this grass that out that I mean the vegetables obviously were the good part, the good part of life. And yep. the grass is the metaphor for things that just overgrow our lives. Um, it just it just stuck with me. Happened to pop out it's my. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful example because that's what it is. We have many weeds, and and one of the other things that you mentioned, and David has a blog coming out. Hopefully, I'm not this is not a spoiler, but do check out David's blog that's coming out. David, it's coming out on Sunday. It's coming out Sunday. It's coming. Out it'll be out by time this podcast is aired. Can, can you give us titles just in case people are going to Google search it? So just exercise lowers inflammation and lengthens it. Basically, it increases the quality of your life and actually lengthens your life by four mm -hmm. years. Okay. So, so the correlate of that, well, let's just really go now. We're actually going to talk about this, talk about this in another podcast, just the idea of watching TV. So there's multiple studies showing that watching TV, this is out of Australia and over 9,000 patients. So independent of cardiac disease and other health factors, Watching TV shortens your lifespan, increases heart disease more, it lengthens your lifespan significantly. It didn't matter what you watched, actually. It was just the number of hours a day you spent watching TV, lowered your lifespan. Yeah. So, so that's the sedentary thing. Um, and mom, if you're listening, um, please get up and move. It's been over 10 minutes. Um, so yeah. oh, just teasing you, mom. Um, one of the things... <laughs> um, because one of the things is, um, for example, when we were done with this podcast, I'm going to go move for at least an hour. That's because I've been doing this for a while. And it, it's and sometimes if you cannot move for an hour, try to move. Now, we'll talk more about this. Um, the reason I brought this up, David, uh, an audience is as such. What are you putting into your body? And again, your thoughts. How are you relating to your emotions? What are your choices every single day? Again, going back with this, if you don't like the academic thing of input nervous system and output, which means neuroplasticity, you, you, you're either hijacking your nervous system in a, and reinforcing the survival states or like the threat states. 
So that means you'll have inflammation, your body will be tight, you'll be reaction, you'll feel depression more so than usual. Or are you hijacking your nervous system towards a life that's better? Are you sewing? Are you investing in exercise? Are you learning to deal with emotions and difficult thoughts as opposed to try to fight it? Are you learning to work with your pain as opposed to try to get rid of it, work the process, divorce the outcome? Are you doing those things? And that's what we're really talking about. So let's just summarize this really quickly. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you as a physician is that you can come to see me in the office. I can give you medications. I can tell you about the doc journey. I can refer you to Dr. Aria. Mm -hmm. um, but the bottom line is if you personally aren't willing to take action to help yourself, nothing's gonna happen. So not discussing your pain, and I'll make the list one more time. So Dr. Arya, when you yes, get sir. up and talk to size, you okay. are never going to discuss your pain ever again with anybody except your doctor or provider. Okay. Secondly, is you, you're, not going to, you're not going to discuss your medical care. Third, no complaining. You can talk to the person directly with the problem, but don't complain about other people. Don't complain about the world. No complaining. Do not give unasked for advice and no criticism, and no malicious gossip, because all of those fire up your nervous system. So if you're serious about healing, those are things you can do that are very concrete. You can start right this minute. I will say in my patient's defense that it's hard. It was hard for me also. Right. Usually at two weeks, they're doing better. And by six weeks, when they came back in, they were much happier. They were, they were relieved themselves to not discuss their pain in medical care all the time. But the family was really one of the most rewarding parts of my practice. The families would come in smiling because you wear your family out with the ongoing complaining and pain and pain in medical care. So please understand what you put in your nervous system has very direct consequences in both your pain and other health issues. And so you have a choice. And that's one of the basic choices you can use to start your journey to yeah. healing. That's beautiful, Dave, and I love that list. Um, and definitely check out David's podcast that's coming up um, uh, on Sunday, and uh, it comes out every Sunday for that matter. I wanted to just summarize with that. Just is is if you just took well, everything. Let me say, Doctor. I just summarized. You just did it. Uh, you just did. I'm going to do a mini mini summary here. So, because um, what what you said was so powerful is, and many of my patients says, yes, yeah, I get that. So I've, I've, been, I've simplified even more. Can you invest in one thing today with your mind? What can you put into your mind that would empower it to feel, makes it feel peaceful? What can you, what can you focus on? Can you put something, can you invest in your body? Can you do something as David said, and maybe you're like, I, I can't walk for 30 minutes. I can't do that. What can you do? See, again, the can't is a threat. So what can you invest in your body? And can you invest something in spirituality? And if you're not into spirituality, can you invest in gratitude as opposed to spirituality? Mind, body, and spirit, or slash gratitude. That's what David and I are trying to talk to you about. You can influence your nervous system through your choices. Or how about investing in you? Diet and exercise, right? I mean, the same thing. What can I do to invest in me yeah. to feel better? And so, you know, complaining and gossiping, et cetera, doesn't actually help you become healthier. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Hanscom. Thank you, Dr. Aria. I almost had the last word, but not quite. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, you, know, it, you know, hope springs eternal. I'll only work on this. <laughs> we shall. Right. Oh, thank you. All everyone. Right. We'll, we'll talk soon. We'll do. Take care.
David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.